0: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Drive into the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, coming at you today with a solo episode. And this is going to be the first of a series of season retrospectives on individual players. We'll talk about what they did well, what they did poorly. And this is only going to be players who are with the Pistons in the coming season as well. Uh, There's been a fair amount of roster turnover. Not really too interested in talking about those players who aren't going to be around next season. So in accordance with them being around next season, we'll talk about also or rather I in this episode will talk about what they ideally should be working on this summer in order to put put forth a good, better, whatever, optimal performance in the upcoming season. Now, we are definitely right in the midst of the dead zone of the offseason. Summer league is over. The draft is over. As I record this, it's about 10 weeks until training camp begins, uh, excuse me, until preseason begins. Training camp will begin around the end of September, preseason begin around the beginning usually around the first week of October, but the regular season beginning in the second, third week of October. So we got a ways to go. There's plenty of excitement for next season, but this is the slow zone without a doubt. So I'm going to do my best to put out a lot of good content for you guys. Uh, And yeah, so that said, uh, let's move on to player number one. And that is Marvin Bagley came to the Pistons last season in mid-February, played his first game on the 14th of February by way of trade with the Sacramento Kings, who drafted him second overall in 2018. The Pistons have been tied to Bagley for much of the season. Like You don't really hear a ton coming out of Detroit's front office, but we heard about interest in Bagley for quite some time. And sure enough, he came over at the deadline on deadline day in exchange for Josh Jackson, Trey Wiles and a couple of second round picks, one of which belonged to Sacramento in the first place, came over by way of the Corey Joseph or DeLon Wright trade in 2021. And the other of which came over in the trade the Pistons made. It was a salary dump back in 2020 for a certain player I strongly dislike. In any event, that was just, I think, the the worst of Golden State in Cleveland. And if I remember correctly, 2025, a second round pick. So more or less a throwaway. In any case... Uh, Marvin came and played 18 games for the Pistons, averaged about 27 minutes per game, 14 and points, seven rebounds, one assist on 55 and a half percent from the field, 22.9% from three, and about 59% from the free throw line. So Marvin came in around the point at which the Pistons started to win a little bit. He was around for that big win against Boston uh, prior to the All-Star break. He only played two games prior to the All-Star break. And was injured for a few games in the middle of that. Missed a couple of wins, and you know then the Pistons won a couple more after he came back, and that was it. So what I would say about Bagley, he definitely did bring some good things to the Pistons. Like it was noticeable immediately how helpful it was for the team to have a vertical spacer, for example, a guy who can catch lobs. Didn't have one of those before that. I mean, your three bigs were winnick, Garza, and Stewart, none of whom we can do, you know, none of whom can do that. I mean, Stewart can catch some really low-level lobs, but that's really not a strong suit. Bagley also a strong role man. Again, something that the Pistons had not had to that point. Uh, just harmful to any team to not have either of those things. I mean, you have just having that vertical spacing threat just gives you another op- you know another option, another option for the players in the floor, another option that the defense has to guard against a guy who can sky and grab lobs, you know, deposit those. That's high percentage offense. A Good role man, like Olenek, obviously, you know, not a good role man. This doesn't, in terms of rolling the basket and finishing the paint, not great. Garza is Garza, I wish him well, but he had his issues at the NBA level, even on offense, certainly on defense. And Stewart, who has just his physical, physical limitations of his own. I mean, he's short, he's a relatively poor leaper. I mean, the guy is just not good at jumping. When I say he's short, he's about six, seven and a half, he's short for his position. So you put those two things together. He's not going up to catch lobs. You're going to have to get on the ball on the ground. And he scores from below the rim, which really doesn't help in terms of finishing there. Also doesn't have the greatest hands, which means he drops a lot of passes. And if you get a bullet pass you're sending to him, shouldn't count on him being able to catch it. And yeah, again, scores below, scores below the rim in a not particularly efficient way. Stewart was in the absolute doldrums of the league and for centers in terms of efficiency in the restricted area. That's another thing Bagley brought. Very, very strong finisher in the restricted area for the Pistons. He was generally like in a a high 60s throughout the rest of his career. For the Pistons last season, he managed about 78%. So that's pretty darn good, needless to say. So you got those three qualities. A strong vertical spacing threat. Like Bagley is an excellent athlete. He's not like super long. He's got about the seven foot two wingspan, I think, which is, you know, if you're talking like not super great, it's in comparison to his height since he's close to seven feet, but it's enough. He's an excellent leaper. Like by all means, a great functional leaper on the roll can roll explosively to the basket. Uh, you know he's got the size and the length and, and the leaping ability to get the ball pretty easily if you're throwing it above the defense. Uh, he's got pretty good hands to catch those passes, and yeah, and he's, he's an above the rim finisher who is just he's a very strong finisher. Or well, at least he was with the Pistons, and compared to Stewart, he's just a strong finisher. Period. <clears throat> so this is a player with useful skills that we saw right away uh, made. Life, it seems considerably easier on Cade Cunningham. It was nice to have even for Killian Hayes and so on and so forth. So that was pretty much what he provided. That finishing, that role presence, uh, that vertical spacing. He did a little bit of offensive creation. Didn't do the greatest job at it when he possessed the ball for more than two seconds and then took a shot. Shot about 52%. Yeah, not great. It's not bad for uh, by the standards of self created offense, which is... I think around 48, 49% is the average. But I, his percentage tended to drop when he held onto the ball for too long. Uh, Bagley continues to have issues with actually creating offense around the basket. And yeah, so that's what he provided, really. That's the sum of it. And I think he looked a little bit better than he did because the Pistons had just not had those qualities. Like the three qualities that I just noted, they just absolutely not had them at all. Weaver decided to go last off season with Kelly O'Linick to provide additional spacing as opposed to having a guy who was, you know, in addition to maybe being a stronger defender than Kelly, somebody who was going to be a spacing big an athletic big. He actually said later in the season, I believe this was in his exit interview or not exit interview because he's not exiting after the season interview, pardon me, that he'd made a mistake by not having an athletic big on the roster. And I think we can all agree about that. Like uh, every roster pretty much like almost every team either starts at, if a center doesn't have the doesn't have those qualities with being strong in the role strong finisher solid vertical spacer and he's starting at center he's almost certainly very good at something else so and it's rare for a team to not field any athletic bigs at all so but when it came down to Bagley's actual performance uh, wasn't all that great he remains a project player and that's the truth despite the fact that that's the case rather, despite the fact that he did, you know, he really outperformed his career baseline with Pistons in terms of his, you know, finishing in the interior, in terms of his overall field goal percentage, and and that raises another question: like, did, did what even we saw in, in his good areas on offense last season is that going to last? Is, is this like a, was that part of kind of a moving out of Sacramento and sort of a rebirth in Detroit in a much better organization and certainly under. A better coach, at whom, by all accounts, you really had a good relationship with, or is it kind of a blip, or is it somewhere in between? Whatever the case, the guy still definitely has a good amount of raw talent. I mean, I don't think I think that's pretty undeniable. Well, can't call it undeniable. I'd say I strongly believe that <laughs> uh, he's always going to be, unfortunately, the guy who was drafted before Luca, which was an insane decision, even in the moment. But he's, you know, he's got talent. He was, he was high on those draft boards because he's got talent. And there are plenty of guys high on draft boards that flunk, but Bagley does have that raw talent. And can he convert it into something in Detroit as things progress in his career? Well, the front office certainly has some degree of confidence in that. And uh, he's going to, as they gave him a contract, that's going to pay him $12.5 million a year, just a flat rate over the next three seasons. Not a huge salary. Really, $12.5 million is what you pay a bench player in the NBA these days. Better bench players, but you pay a bench player that salary. So, yeah, let's just look at what he did well, what he did poorly. I already went over pretty much everything he did well. Yeah, and I'll just repeat it. Role presence, vertical spacing, high percentage interior finishing, made life easier on the guards, just provided more options to the offense. Now, as far as what he did not do particularly well, First thing, he did not provide much versatility on offense, and you don't have to provide this level of versatility on offense if you, you know, if you're just one of these athletic bigs who can who can do those things, and then can play decent defense on the other end. You know, if you're somewhat switchable. You're a decent rim protector. I mean, there are plenty of these guys in the NBA. Unfortunately, Bagley was not a decent defender by really by any stretch, and. Uh, the reality of the matter with the Pistons is that they were worse with him on the floor than without. So what did this come of? Well, let's go with the aforementioned defense. Bagley has had issues on defense for a long time. Like even back to his Duke days, during which Mike Krzyzewski had to play the zone, or the man-to-man, because Bagley and his teammate Wendell Carter Jr., who now plays for the Magic, was drafted by the Bulls. Neither of them were able to defend the pick-and-roll. So Bagley actually played a fair amount of center with the Pistons. I mean, it's not a position that he has not played much, but yeah, he was about 60-40. And in games in which Isaiah Stewart was out and Bagley found himself playing center. And as an interior defender, he struggled a great deal. Now, there are some players, right, some, of the, some defense is coachable, but to some degree it's acumen. And by acumen, I mean the ability at the NBA level to make reads and decisions in an extraordinarily fast-moving game against incredibly talented opposition on a split-second basis, so when Bagley was asked to defend at center, he really struggled, like to say the least. In my opinion, is he just does not have it in him as an interior defender. I don't think he's a guy you're ever going to want to play it, to put at center and say, you know, please defend the interior, because he just does not seem able to make the right decisions, whether it's in the half court or in transition. So when the Pistons played him there, they suffered, and you know that was fine. Because the Pistons at this stage of the season were not... Well, I guess in some points they were trying to win games, but the losses were fine, you know, for obvious reasons. But going forward, my supposition is that this is not a coachable issue. That he just does not have the defensive acumen. You want to call it defensive IQ or whatever else, to do that at the NBA level, to play that interior defense role. So in terms of his perimeter defense, he's a better perimeter defender than he is an interior defender, which is a good thing. Otherwise, he would more or less be a lost cause at the NBA level. So... You know, he uses his length fairly well. He's athletic, and he seems to be much more comfortable guarding somebody out in the perimeter than he does when he's trying to protect the interior, which is a much more expansive job. Still has his issues, just can get caught ball watching, can just fail to make the right rotation, can fail to make the right read. So even on the perimeter, he wasn't a good defender. He had his troubles. He worked hard. He did his best. He was still not good. Still, I would say significantly below average. So, you add that together to his offense. So, on offense, Bagley was not particularly versatile. So, I don't need to repeat what I said earlier about what he did provide to the offense. And those are valuable things. However, that was really all he provided. Like, when, for the most part, when you ask him to do anything outside of the restricted area, he's going to struggle. And, you know, for those of you who don't know the terminology restricted area, we're talking about uh, four feet away from the basket and in, so the area within, you know, that, that arc four feet within the basket, within four feet of the basket, so sorry. So if he was ever asked, if he was asked to do anything there with the Pistons, then, you know, as usual, this is, this was not only the case with the Pistons, it was the case in Sacramento as well, he struggled. And in, in fact, you know, and the further out you went, of course, the worst it got, the worse it got. He could not really shoot threes, to say the least. And on the season, it was something like 19%. On wide open threes with the Pistons, it was about 24% on wide open threes. He was a complete spacing liability. You know, if you took him out of the area around the basket, then he was pretty useless. Uh, opponents would just leave him wide open there. The defenders would. They were more than happy to do so because, you know, it's like, okay, in a best case scenario for us, you're going to shoot the ball and you're going to miss it. I mean, 24% is a shot that the defense will eat any day. And... If you don't shoot it, then cool. Well, you're still a strong interior scorer, you know, at least on offense created for you by others, and you're not in the interior. So cool. That's good for us too. So basically a, a very one-dimensional scorer who's almost entirely succeeding just on offense in the restricted area created for him by his teammates. Can't shoot threes, you know, really didn't do all that well as a creator. I mean, if you got the ball to him in really good position, then fine. But if you actually asked him to create offense, like take the ball and you're not in good position and do something with it. He was going to struggle. So yeah, basically just came down to one dimensional offense together with bad defense. And that's why the Pistons struggled with him on the floor. So yeah, you're coupling limited offensive contribution with bad defense. Now, is this an issue again? Marvin Bagley's project player. He was brought in as a project player. Cost was low. Cost was low because he's a project player at this point. He's a reclamation. Even you can go further than that. You can call him a reclamation project because To say the least, he was very disappointing on his first contract. When he wasn't injured, he was largely just underperforming his draft position on the floor. So that brings us to his outlook for next season. But first, our very, very quick word from our sponsor. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, a risk career's bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw it on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines over under some props, your betting options feel endless. For example, you can bet on Major League Baseball, which is the only Major League season, excuse me, Major League season is the only one of the four Major Leagues that is, whose season is still in swing. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions applies. It's shown notes for details. All right, so let's look at Bagley's outlook. Otherwise known, I would suppose, is how the organization hopes that things will go. So obviously in the defensive end, you're hoping for some improvements. I, I get the feeling Bagley will be used on defense almost, almost exclusively as a power forward going forward. In the, in the future, rather. It, he could come out and surprise everybody and just, you know, change your organizations is just really smooth things out for him, made him more relaxed. And, you know, suddenly he comes out and he's not a terrible interior defender, but that would be a really unusual leap, like extremely unusual leap. So what I think we're going to see from the Pistons going forward is, yeah, even, if, even in a situation in which he might be playing center on offense, like let's say uh, you field him with Isaiah Stewart, and this is a lineup that uh, that uh, Jack Kelly and I, who's my guest on the last episode, spoke about. I think we both judged this the most, the likeliest lineup to go out there would be Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bey, Marvin Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart, because Bagley is going to be out there to give you that role presence and finishing presence and and vertical spacing that really you absolutely want to Kate and you ideally want to have for Jaden Ivey and you want to have for the starting lineup and that Isaiah Stewart can't give you. So basically in that situation, you have Marvin Bagley playing role man and in, in primary interior, interior scoring big on offense. And then you go to the other end and you have Isaiah Stewart playing center on defense, the role for which he's drastically better suited than Bagley. So yeah, that situation basically you find Bagley just defending on the perimeter. Even there, you hope for some improvement because He's got to become at least, for example, a passable, excuse me, a passable pick and roll defender, because the opposition will find ways to put him in a pick and roll. I mean, period. And if he's just completely hopeless there, then you've got issues, and these won't be issues that will be as big in the regular season. But again, Pistons are looking to be a good put. Not again. I mean, this is just everybody knows this. The Pistons are looking are to be a good postseason team. Everybody is. And in the postseason, every one of your weaknesses on your, on your team, any major weakness player has will be ruthlessly exploited, like again and, again and again and again and again and again. And so you're looking for some improvement for Bagley into ideally, like at least a respectable, like if, if still below average perimeter defender. And I don't think that's out of reach. So you're hoping for that. On defense, pretty simple. On offense, if the front office is looking for Bagley to be a Real rotational piece going forward. And I don't know. I don't know what what they're expecting, but I would imagine, of course, at minimum, you're hoping, okay, Bagley becomes a solid rotation player on a playoff team. Then you're really looking for quite a bit, you know, a fair amount of improvement, especially in the realm of, we can say in the realm of versatility on offense. I think Bagley is going to give you the same. I mean, you know what Bagley is going to give you. Again, I I don't need to repeat, you know, Bagley is going to give that to you, but He's a player who's really going to have to find his impact on offense, uh, barring just that, uh, that tremendous leap on defense. And what he provides right now just isn't good enough to do that. So what are you looking for from him? Number one, I would say top on the list, like unequivocally so, is three-point shooting. Uh, because if you have a Bagley who's a strong interior scorer, so a rather strong finisher, and can also shoot threes, then cool. You've got a much more complete offensive player. If he can't shoot threes, then he's a very limited offensive player just the ability, of course, the more the merrier in terms of three point shooting and in your ideal situation is five shooters in the four, but Bagley, again, primarily going to be playing power forward. Even if he's playing, even if he's effectively playing center on offense, I mean, he just has to have more weapons in order to provide that in order to provide good value. He's got to be a legitimately good offensive player. So three point shooting, a must guys got to be able to knock down those open threes and, you know, ideally do it at a high percentage. Now, is that a lot to ask? Uh, at this point of his career, well, he has one season, uh, played about half of a season in 2020, 2021, shot 34% from three. That's not, you know, that's a much better percentage than he managed last season, but it's not exactly what you're looking for. You know, at least on open threes, which he's still shot at a pretty poor percentage that season. Like on wide open threes, we're talking the ones where what well, they're defined as at least, you know, upwards of six feet from the closest defender, I mean, he's still shot about 33%. That's not going to cut it for Bagley, who's, again, going to be sort of an offensive specialist if he's really finding good value in the NBA. You want him in a high 30s on those shots. You want him to be a reliable spacer, a guy also hopefully who doesn't need six feet, you know, can shoot with defenders a little bit closer than that. You're not asking for him to be a knockdown shooter through coverage, but you want him to be a fairly strong three-point shooter. And I think that's an absolute necessity if he's going to provide good value to the Pistons, period. You definitely, and this just springs to mind, a free throw shooting would be very nice if that improved as well. Because it's just, I mean, it's important. There's another guy you're going to be, you're going to hope, be hoping to get him to the line a fair amount. And he's a career 66% free throw shooter. That's not good. And this last season with the Pistons, he attempted only, he attempted about three a game, which isn't a ton, but, 59%. And the season before that, about three a game, uh, 57.5%. You've, you've got to see some improvement there. And honestly, his free throw percentage, I mean, in terms of predicting how he's going to do as is is a is a three-point shooter, that's not particularly encouraging. But that doesn't write the book. You oh, could easily improve it both. I'm not thinking too much about that. So, cool. If he can shoot threes, awesome. And your hope beyond that is that maybe he can create some offense in niche situations just when you really need a bucket around the basket now this doesn't necessarily need to be in the post we're talking back to the basket and it would be surprising if it were because it would be an understatement to say that Bagley has not been a good post-up player throughout his career he's actually been very bad anything face-up offense whatever you know if you can just take the ball and create some offense Uh, when it's given to him, then that would be very helpful. That's less of a necessity than three-point shooting. This is more of just kind of a would-be-nice for a player who, again, is going to be providing the majority of his his value on offense. How does he get there? Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, again, as far as post-offense, even if he were to improve there, I've said it before, I'll say it again a million times, I mean, post-offense is not a very viable way of doing things today in the NBA. Very few players can make it efficient enough to be worthwhile. And... And I don't think it's particularly likely that Bagley's going to find himself becoming a good post playmaker either. Excuse me, post playmaker, because the guy's just not a particularly good passer. Another skill that would be nice for him to improve upon, but one in which he's shown very little in the way of acumen. So what do you have if you have a Bagley who is able to shoot threes? Let's just go with that. Okay, so depends on who he's on the floor with, of course. I mean, if he's on the floor with another athletic big, if you have Bagley out there with Durin, okay, then Bagley's probably not running the role you've got Duran running the role because otherwise Duran's just hanging out and doing nothing. And hopefully Duran's going to be a pretty big, pretty good role man himself. Uh, or Bagley, it should be noted as the more athletic of the two. Uh, Duran is a genuinely good NBA athlete. I wouldn't call him elite. I mean, he's, he's very good Bagley. I would call an, an elite NBA athlete, like not like tippy top up there, but fantastic lever better than Duran. Not quite as long, but, uh, but Bagley is an excellent lever, whatever the case, I digress. So, yeah, let's say he's on the floor with, uh, with Stewart, for example. Okay, you've got Bagley serving as the primary role man, and Stewart's probably just hanging out, hanging out at the three point line, just taking shots. And as I've said before, I don't think that's going to be a viable, a really viable long term role for him on offense because that's he has, that's not offering much, and you really can be looking for more than that. Uh, and Stewart just doesn't really have much more to offer than that, but whether it's off the bench or just next season for a squad that continues to rebuilding, be rebuilding rather, that's fine. So in that situation, you've got Bagley as the primary role, man. And yeah, pretty basic role. Uh, Even in that situation, there are going to be cases in which you can find yourself wanting him to spread the floor. You know, it's just a a good option to have, whether it's a pick and pop or whether it's just setting a pick and whoever's handling the ball gets the defense all out of sorts and uh, whatever, just the ability to shoot it. Even in that situation would be valuable. If he is in the floor with the likes of Duran, then the ability to space the floor becomes even more important because in that case, he's probably not serving as the primary role man. Um, but even then, uh, if he's not shooting threes, you have a guy who can cut fairly explosively to the basket and catch a lob or just catch the ball under the basket and finish at a high percentage. So got to have Bagley strong on offense. And I would imagine that in addition to improving to whatever degree he can on, on defense, which I think is fairly is going to be fairly limited, that's, I think, in my opinion, just an unfortunate reality, uh, they will be looking for that significant improvement as a shooter. So that's what I would call the key factor for Marvin Bagley going into next season. So uh, that'll be the end of this one. Uh, some of these are going to be a little bit short. There's not uh, always going to be a tremendous amount to talk about uh, about Bagley, certainly 30 minutes is the shortest episode, if I remember correctly. That's, that has been released in quite some time. So in any case, uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week with a significantly more in-depth season review on a favorite, it seems, of nearly every Piston fan, Sadiq Bay. And finally, if you've enjoyed this episode and previous episodes, consider following the podcast on Twitter at ToTheBasketPod. And also started on an email account and is driving to the basket at gmail.com. If any of you would like to get into contact by email, again, always love to hear feedback, thoughts on future episodes, uh, really whatever else. So as always, thank you all for listening. Catch you in the next episode.